It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, say, can you see? By the dawn's early light What so proudly we hail At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watch We're so gallantly streaming And the rockets red glare The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the night That our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled banner afternoon, Southwest Florida. Welcome to the Larry Timko Show on 1070 NBC Sports. Broadcasting live from our law offices of Anajar and Levine Studios here in Port Charlotte. Phone lines are open at 941-206-1070. You're listening on your iHeartRadio app or online at 1070NBCSports.com. 800-668-1070 will get you into the studio. Got some baseball talk today. I want to mention uh, Evan Longoria and the Tampa Bay Rays. St. Louis Cardinals, Giancarlo Stanton. Lots of things to get to, but first things first, got to talk about that horrible football game that took place last night uh, on ESPN. Of course, the Steelers, the Bengals, and NFC North matchup. It was ugly. In all, there were 20 penalties for 239 yards. The Bengals were responsible for 13 of those flags and 173 of those yards, which was, a, uh, I think, a franchise record. It was Ugly, And the ugliest part of the game didn't even happen in the fourth quarter. For me, the worst moment of the game, and arguably the season, occurred in the first quarter when Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier made this hard tackle with his head down. He didn't get back up. He immediately reached for his back and rolled over, and the game was halted for several minutes. Uh, He had to be stretchered off the field, and players from both sides really look concerned for Ryan Shazier. Uh, According to the last update, he is in a hospital in Cincinnati. He is moving, which is a good sign, and hopefully he'll be released today. Then in the fourth quarter, oh, man. Now, say what you want about Vontae Perfect. I mean, he has a reputation as a dirty player, but that can't be used as justification for what happened last night. Juju Schuster-Smith laid him out and knocked him out of the game. And to make matters worse, after he laid him out, 
He stood on top of it, started taunting him. Now, Juju Schuster-Smith was not thrown out of that game, but he was penalized. And I'm sure there's going to be a fine levy today and maybe even possibly a one-game suspension, kind of like what happened to Gronkowski in New England. But overall, it was an ugly game last night. Cincinnati had a 17-0 lead, and they blew it. What is up with Cincinnati Bengals and primetime football? Something about being underneath the lights, and they just wilt like a flower, man. It is just terrible football. Up 17-0, they were in control of the game. And of course, well, a little bit of it had to do with the referees. Uh, I'm telling you, Dalton launched a beautiful pass to A.J. Green. For like a 60-yard touchdown, and it was called back because of a phantom holding call. Worst call I've seen. I thought it was the worst call I've seen until the Steelers run back a kickoff for a touchdown and another penalty for a holding call against the Steelers. And I didn't see it. They showed the replay. Very, very bad officiating. And from what I heard last night, according to John Gruden, they are one of the worst referee crews in football. Uh, they average 18 penalties a game. These guys are flag happy. Now, how do we fix this problem with the referees in the NFL? We've had this discussion before. Uh, it's not like in baseball where these umpires are in the minor league system for years before they even get a chance to be an umpire in Major League Baseball. In NFL, I don't know see how it works. These guys all have full-time jobs during the week. This is kind of a hobby for these referees. So they're coming in, you know, after working five, six days a week as a lawyer or judges or car dealerships. I don't know what these guys do. But all I know is NFL referee is a part-time job. It's not like they have to spend years in school and training for this position. So I really think the NFL has to do something. And train these referees to be better. Because I can't even tell you anymore what is considered pass interference and what's not. Because I've watched a few pass interference calls last night that should not have been called. And it's been like that all season. I mean, yeah, I mean, they go both ways. But it, it really stinks when the games are decided by the referees and not by the talent on the field. And that's what's ruining this sport right now is the officiating in NFL. So I don't know if they got to call all these referees together. Put them in some kind of referee mini camp where for six weeks they are learning every facet of this game. Because I'm telling you, I don't even think half these referees know the rules of the game. I think I, I think they're they're faking it. <laughs> I really do. It's just been some really bad officiating. And now the Steelers, uh, they are now tied for the best record in the AFC with the New England Patriots. That is going to be a huge game in two weeks when the Patriots and the Steelers battle. As for the Bengals, they now drop to five and seven. Pretty much going to go on on a limb here and say that their playoff hopes are over. And what is next for the Cincinnati Bengals and Marvin Lewis? This guy's been with this team for 15 years, 16 years. He's made the playoffs seven times, but the last couple of years have just been atrocious. And it just doesn't seem like they're buying into Marvin Lewis anymore. I'm a big Marvin Lewis fan, too. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's a little bit too laid back for the NFL he seems to have this very calm demeanor while the rest of his team is just crazy. So definitely Marvin Lewis will find a job somewhere else if he gets released by the Cincinnati Bengals. But he is definitely on the hot seat. I believe the Denver Broncos, their head coach, Frazier, is on the hot seat. There's going to be some coaching changes happening here for sure. But what happened last night was just uh, just a horrible, horrible game. And to be honest with you, I kind of was leaning towards Cincinnati. I almost picked him to win, and especially when they were up 17 nothing. But uh, the Steelers did pull it out, and I ended up did picking the Steelers. So for the first time all season, I am 
This week's winner in the 2017 Pro Football Pick'em Challenge. I won by one game. Oh, yeah. How about me? <laughs> got lucky there. Uh, but we'll see what happens with the Pittsburgh Steelers as they uh, go on because they got some major injuries they got to deal with now, too. Now, Antonio Brown was a questionable game-time decision last night with his turf toe. He didn't seem all that bothered by it, to be honest with you. He did have over 100 yards receiving. Le'Veon Bell looked good, too. Um Offensive line held together pretty well. Ben Roethlisberger was pretty well protected. The Cincinnati Bengals' defense and pass rush just couldn't get to him, and that allowed him for some big plays. And that's why the Cincinnati Bengals blew a 17-point lead. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're playing like the cardiac kids lately. How many more times do they have to go into the final seconds of a ball game to win it on a game-winning field goal? That, that, that wears you out mentally after a while. When you compare the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots, the Patriots, when they win, they're rolling everybody. Steelers are just sneaking by. So, I don't know. It's going to be a good matchup. I still think the Patriots still will beat the Pittsburgh Steelers just because of the defensive matchup. I still think the best way to beat the New England Patriots, you got to go back to the Super Bowl years against the New York Giants. Look what the Giants did, and how come teams do not replicate what the Giants did in the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots? You know, man-on-man coverage, zone coverage does not work against the New England Patriots. Tom Brady will pick you apart all day long if you're in zone coverage. So what do you got to do? Man up. Go man. Go go mano a mano against these guys. Man on man. Free up your defenders. Put a pass rush on Brady. Make him step up in the pocket. Don't give him five seconds to throw the ball and find his receivers. Put pressure on him and go man to man. I guarantee that defense works every single time against the Patriots. Why other teams are not copying that style? of what the Giants did and other teams copy or do against the Patriots that win is beyond me. I don't know. But with the Patriots down Gronkowski this week, you know they're going to go lean heavily on that running game with uh, Lewis and White and Burkhead. So uh, if you're a fantasy football type person with the playoffs starting this week, if you could pick up a, a New England Patriot running back off waivers, even if it is Jacob White, the number three guy, he's still well worth it. Definitely well worth it because uh, those guys are all putting up points. All right, I do want to talk a little baseball. Do I got time? Uh, you know what I'll do? I'm going to take a break real quick. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little baseball. Particularly, I want to talk about Evan Longoria and the Tampa Bay Rays, and I want to focus on the St. Louis Cardinals, Giancarlo Stanton, and I want to profile J.D. Martinez because is he really worth $200 million? Hmm, we'll discuss that next on 1070 NBC Sports. season with Southwest Florida's new 1070 NBC Sports Radio. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Peace of mind. It's one of the most important things we can have and sometimes the most elusive. I'm Ellie Anajar from the law offices of Anajar and Levine. If you've been involved in a hit-and-run accident, call the law offices of Anajar and Levine at 1-800-747-FREE. Office in Naples. You can know the score and see the stats. Check in on the box scores and standings. This is hockey. It's a game of heart and grit. To be understood... It must be witnessed. And no matter what the numbers say, games are won and lost based on passion. 
fueled by the energy only you can provide. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Be the thunder. This Thursday, Lightning versus Avalanche, 7.30 p.m. Tickets at tampabaylightning.com. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 800-897-0014. That's 800-897-0014. Okay, pumpkin. Who am I? Say, mama. Mama. Alexa, play the Tang Tangs. Tens of millions of songs, one for every moment. Amazon Music Unlimited. For a limited time only, sign up today and receive three months for 99 cents at Amazon.com slash Music Unlimited. Automatically renews, cancel anytime. For more information about contests on this station, go to 1070NBCSports.com slash rules. The Tampa Bay Lightning get set to take on the New York Islanders tonight at Amelie Arena. These two teams are playing their second of three meetings this season and the second of two at Amelie Arena. New York defeated Tampa Bay 5-3 to back on November 18th to snap the Bolts' five-game win streak. Of course, Tampa Bay is coming off an impressive win against San Jose Saturday, and John Cooper said he loved the way his team skated in that game. Well, we really skated against San Jose, and every line was going. We were getting chances, but it all comes down to how much we were skating, and we were on top of them all night, and we kind of had a shoot-first attitude, which I really liked. Jake Dotchin did return to practice yesterday, but he was still in a red non-contact jersey. So he's not expected to play tonight. Also, Braden Coburn, who's a little banged up, is questionable for tonight's game. Pre-game coverage on the network side begins at 7 o'clock with the puck dropping at 7.30. With your lightning report, I'm Greg Lanelli. Thanks, Greg, for that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tampa Bay Lightning Report. Of course, the uh, Lightning are back in action tonight against the New York Islanders. You catch the game right here on 1070 NBC Sports. Pre-game at 7 o'clock, the puck drops at 7.30 with Dave Mishkin and NHL Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. This is a payback game. Last time the Islanders were in town, they beat the Lightning 5-3. I was at that game. Maybe I was the bad luck charm. I don't know. But back in action tonight, go Tampa Bay Lightning. Also, real quick, uh, the Peace River Bridge Walk for Life is coming up December 9th. You've got four more days. Uh, That's coming up Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon. 
Uh, their mission is to promote life support and safe pregnancy and strengthen families. For more information, you can log on to PregnancyCareLine.org and click on the Walk for Life or call 941-625-5576 to get yourself signed up. Prizes for the top three fundraisers and you get a free t-shirt for participating as well. All righty. Welcome back to the Larry Timko Show on 1070 NBC Sports. Phone lines are open at 941-206-1070 or 800-668-1070 if you're listening on your iHeartRadio app or online at 1070NBCSports.com. Let's talk a little baseball. First things first, let's talk about the Cardinals. John Mazelik, the general manager for the Cardinals, is in a little bit of a quandary. Now, right now, he is all in on Giancarlo Stanton. Does it look like the Cardinals are going to have to give up many top prospects because they're going to eat a majority of Giancarlo Stanton's $300 million salary? Still coming down between the Cardinals and the Giants. But if I'm the Cardinals, and I'm thinking to myself, now, do I want Giancarlo Stanton for the next decade at $30 million a year? Or do I use some of these prospects that we have in the minor league system, because we do got a pretty good minor league system, and flip some of those prospects and say, go out and get a Josh Donaldson to play third base? Or about a Jose Abreu to play first base? That's the question. Would you rather have Abreu at first, Matt Carpenter at second, and Josh Donaldson at third? Or do you go with the status quo of Matt Carpenter at first, Jed Jerko at third, and Giancarlo Stanton in right field? For me, it seems like the Cardinals would be deeper and more beneficial to stack the lineup with an Abreu and a Donaldson rather than have a Giancarlo Stanton. You can have two potential All-Stars for the same price, maybe even a little less than you could have for one MVP All-Star who's so expensive. And you still have money left over to uh, possibly even go out and get a reliever or so. Now, the Cardinals are talking to the Tampa Bay Rays about Alex Colome, but if the Giancarlo Stanton deal falls through, what about... Evan Longoria. I mean, that would be the biggest headline the Rays could make this winter, short of a new stadium, is trading Evan Longoria, the face of the franchise and the cornerstone piece of this team since arriving as a rookie in 2008. It's been 10 years for Evan Longoria. I mean, come on. He is the team leader on and off the field. He's a good professional. He represents the community with his awesome family. Uh, He said repeatedly including at the end of this past season, that he has no interest in going anywhere else. He likes the idea of spending his whole career with one team. And he has shown that commitment. It's more than just talk, I mean, with his actions. Uh, He's done it twice, signing long-term deals that were considered at the time well below market value and very team-friendly. So why in the world would the Tampa Bay Rays would trade Evan Longoria? Well, a lot of it has to do with his 2023 option. See, the Tampa Bay Rays still owe Evan $94 million, starting with a $13.5 million salary this season. Uh, Dropping him would definitely cover a big chunk of the planned payroll cut that they have going on right now. And because even though he won his third gold glove last season, he is 32 years old, and he's coming off what we all kind of consider was a very disappointing offseason. He did show some power, 20 home runs, 86 RBIs, well short of the 30-plus he hit the year before, and he only hit 261. So his average and power, it is kind of trending down. Uh, But he does get the benefit of no trade protection. Uh, That's going to happen in about 10 days into the 2018 season. So around April 12th, April 13th, 
That's when Evan Longoria's 10-5 rights kick in. That's 10 years with one or 10 years in the league, five, at least five years with one team. So he will be able to veto a trade. He's got a limited no trade clause once his 10-5 rights kick in. So if the Rays are going to trade him, it makes sense to trade him before the first or second week of the season starts. Uh, and if the Rays do opt for a rebuild, there are some people that think that they can make sense in trading Longoria by doing him a favor in the long term. That way he'll be a, they'll give him a chance to be on a contender again. you got to remember, the Rays have missed the playoffs four straight years after playing in October four times in his first six years. So for Evan Longoria, it's not about the money. Uh, it's all about winning and going out with a championship before you retire. He's 32 years old. I mean, let's think about this here. In baseball terms, Evan Longoria maybe has three or four decent good seasons left of him at third base before he's either going to have to trade positions, go to first base, or become a full-time DH before his career is finally over. Uh, Is it a Hall of Fame career? At the moment, I'm going to say no, but if he spends his entire career in Tampa Bay... I'm going to assume he's going to get the Chipper Jones treatment like he did in, you know, with Atlanta, playing your whole career with one team. So we'll see what happens with Evan Longoria. As of right now, theoretically, the Rays are not trading Evan Longoria, but they are listening. There are options, and we'll see what happens. Another route you can go to, of course, is J.D. Martinez. Now, I, I like J.D. Martinez's power, uh, despite not accumulating enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title. He did hit the third most home runs in any player in baseball last year. So make no mistake, he is going to get paid this winter. It's just how much is he going to get paid? Is he worth the $200-plus that Scott Boris says his client deserves? I mean, since his breakout season with the Tigers, I mean, he has shown incredible power. Over the past four seasons, he's 10th in baseball with 128 home runs despite having the second-fewest plate appearances of any player in the top 20. During that time, Martinez trails only Mike Trout in slugging percentage. He also ranks, ranks in the top five in on-base percentage. Uh, and it, he's even hitting 300. So it's not like he's an all-or-nothing presence at the plate. You know, It's not like he's either going to hit a home run or strike out four times in a game. But last season, I don't know, J.D. Martinez took the power to a whole new level. Over 489 plate appearances between the Tigers and the Diamondbacks, he hit a whopping 690 slugging percentage, which would have led baseball by a full 59 points if he made enough trips to the plate to qualify for the slugging title. Now, those power numbers he puts up are incredibly impressive, and I'm sure it's going to motivate a lot of teams who are looking for that clutch power hitter to inquire on him. But it's, it's not just the power numbers that stick out, though. The figures are just a byproduct of his true great strength, and that is the quality of contact. The one good thing about J.D. Martinez, he can make contact. 49% of hard contact led all of baseball last season. Uh, Aaron Judge had the most barrels per plate appearance, but his 208-foot average batted ball distance ranked 10th among hitters with at least 250 batted ball events. So he can definitely hit the ball. Now, the weaknesses, though, he does have a slew of weaknesses that hurt his value, and that provides a frightening amount of risk, and it all starts with his health. Martinez has missed significant time with injuries in the past two years. In fact, the outfielder has only qualified for the batting title once in his entire career. All right? Just once. So what does that tell you? That tells me that this guy cannot stay healthy. Yeah, when he's healthy, he is a monster. He is a force. But 
He is not going to play 162 games for you. In fact, he's probably not going to play 150 games for you. You'll be lucky if you can get 130 games out of him, kind of like a catcher. So you got to look at that. And you can't ignore his defense either. He is a downright liability in the outfield. Fangraphs rated him the seventh worst defensive player in baseball last year. Ooh, ouch. So no defense, can't stay healthy. And, and there's also some swing and miss in his game, although it, it's not a chief concern because he does make contact. But when he doesn't make contact, 26.2% strikeout rate was the 41st highest among 216 baseball players with 400 plate appearances last year. Now, overall, you got a guy who can make contact and hit po- with power as a defensive liability in the outfield. Can't stay healthy, so you're looking at 130 games with 40 home runs. Where does he fit in? Now, granted, he did look really good in an Arizona Diamondbacks uniform. He did manage to stay healthy for the short time that he was there since the trade from the Tigers. But for me, if I'm a general manager, is this guy a bona fide National League player? you got to think about that. Am I going to spend $200 million on a guy who can hit with power but can't stay healthy and plays a shabby right field? Hmm, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. There's no way I'm spending $200 million on this guy. I just can't do it. Uh, Yeah, he's he's a force, granted. I I will give him that, but not for $200-plus that he wants. Now, I'm looking at J.D. Martinez. I would offer him maybe a six- or seven-year deal. Plus, he's old, too, man. Isn't he in his 30s? He's like 31. I think I got to check this age on that, but I'm looking at a six or seven year deal for JD Martinez in the 160 to 180 million dollar range. He's gonna he's not gonna get fair market value of what he wants at 200 million. I'll be shocked if he does, and whoever does sign him is gonna regret it in the long run. That's why I could see teams that make bad contract decisions, like the New York Mets. <laughs> I could see them going after it, but the Mets are talking about bringing Jay Bruce back, which is obviously a cheaper option for them too. And I like Jay Bruce. He's familiar with New York. The Mets are familiar with him, so that, that move kind of makes sense. Same thing with Lucas Duda. I could see Lucas Duda going back to the New York Mets too, because they got a big gaping hole at first base as well. I, I don't care what anybody says. Wilmer Flores is not the answer at first base. I like the guy, but come on, man. He had a, he had a career year last year and I just I don't see that I don't anticipate that happening again I I think his numbers are going to fluctuate and trend downwards from here on out so the Mets will probably bring back some of the guys but as far as Tampa Bay is concerned they definitely need a first baseman and unfortunately with the money constraints that they have right now Unless they can bring in somebody in a trade, I just they're not going to go out and spend money on a on a Yonder Alonso or 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 Eric Hosmer for that matter, or even a Carlos Santana who at this point in his career is a DH. So, yeah, but a Danny Valencia, I could see him in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform for sure. He's a cheap option; probably won't cost you a million dollars either. But the Tampa Bay Rays are going to make some moves again. The whole bullpen's in shambles as of right now. So they're going to have to reconstruct that and start from the bottom up. Now that Boxberger's gone, Alex Colomay's on his way out, Chase Whitley's gone, Tommy Hunter's gone, Sergio Romo's gone. Where do you start? Maybe bring back a Fernando Rodney? Yeah, he's 40 years old, but he still showed he's capable of closing out ball games. He did it in San Diego last year with authority. I wouldn't mind bringing back the arrow, to be honest with you. He, he's That would solidify the ninth inning. Ah. Uh, I, I think, but we'll see what happens. There's still some options out there. And you know the race, too. With the winter meetings coming up next week, 
they're just going to sit there and stand pat and wait for the market to come to them. That's what they do every year. They're not going to go out there and try to outbid the Yankees or the Red Sox on a player. Nope, they wait for the market to settle down. They wait for the dust to settle, and then they'll go out and say, all right, hey, yonder, Alonzo, I see uh, no one's tried picking you up yet on a three-year deal that you want. So how about you come play for us for a year? We'll give you a million five, two point five as a prove it your prove it contract. But does Yonder Alonso really need to prove anything? Guy hit thirty home runs last year for the Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners. <laughs> so does he really have anything to prove? So I think Yonder Alonso, even though the rumors have him coming to Tampa. Again, I just don't see that happening. I really don't. I can see another team definitely spending outbidding the Tampa Bay Rays for his services. So, and the internal options in Tampa, there's nothing. They're talking Jake Bowers. I love Jake Bowers. I just, this is Tampa. So, you know, come April, he's not going to be on the roster. Come May, he's not going to be up here producing. Now, come June 2nd, when he gets that extra year of arbitration eligibility, then yeah, we might see Jake Bowers up in Tampa, but that's not going to happen until June. And where will he fit in? Will he be at first base? Will he be in right field? Because he's playing both positions in Durham. If I'm the Durham Bulls and I'm trying to make this kid better, I would just keep him at first base permanently. Forget about the outfield. Just stick him at first base because that's where the future is for him in Tampa. There's a gluttony of outfield prospects for the Tampa Bay Rays. They don't need him in the outfield, especially if Malik Smith rebounds from his poor second half. Same thing with Corey Dickerson. Everybody, for matter for that matter, with their poor second half. So with Dickerson, Sosa Jr., Malik Smith, Kevin Kiermeyer, there's still a nice group of prospects in the outfield for the Tampa Bay Rays. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They might even move an outfielder. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Corey Dickerson or Steven Souza Jr. gets traded. More likely, it's going to be Corey Dickerson because he's making $6.4 million this year compared to Steven Souza Jr.'s 3.2. So I could see Corey Dickerson getting moved somewhere. And I think he's a talent, too. He had an incredible first half. He, for me, he was the MVP for the Tampa Bay Rays in the first half. What happened in the second half of the season is beyond me. He totally pulled off a disappearing act like I've never seen before in my entire life. So, you know, very poor first half or second half for Corey Dickerson. And where's Logan Morrison going to end up, too? I would love to see Logan Morrison come back to Tampa Bay. I mean, he proved that he is a very capable first baseman with power. Uh, he really reinvented his swing and did a fantastic job. Uh, he, But I think, unfortunately, he outpriced himself out of the Tampa Bay Rays plans. And where he ends up, who knows? Maybe even Atlanta. Keep Freddie Freeman at third base, Logan Morrison at first base. I kind of like that move, especially now that Matt Adams is a free agent. And that's another big, well, not a big name, but that's another big player (laughs) that possibly has ties to Tampa Bay. Uh, He can play first base for the Tampa Bay Rays at a cheap price. But my problem with Matt Adams is is he struggles against left-handed pitching. And what is the Rays' biggest issue in the AL East? Left-handed pitching with the Yankees and the Red Sox stacked with left-handers. It's going to be a tough call. All right, what we got to do is we want to take a quick break. Uh, we'll run our Westwood One NFL report, and when we come back, we'll talk a little NFL football and recap some of the weekend's games on 1070 NBC Sports. 
Hi, it's John Stashower. Thanks for listening to Southwest Florida's all-new WKIINBC Sports. Be sure to check me out at 1070NBCSports.com. Tune in Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to noon for the Real Estate Showcase brought to you by Pool Boy and Keller Williams Realty Peace River Partners. Need help finding the right team to buy or sell your home? Get the information firsthand from the people that know the housing market from start to finish. From mortgage banks, insurance companies, to their own rental department, all the do's and don'ts to get your house ready to sell. That's the Real Estate Showcase brought to you by Pool Boy and Keller Williams Realty Peace River Partners. Tuesdays, 11 a.m. to noon on News Radio 1580. Hi, this is Eric Breton, the owner of Rick's Estate and Jewelry Buyers, located on Bell Harbor and Ikea Sta in Punta Gorda Isles. People know us for paying the best prices for gold, silver, and platinum jewelry, but what they may not know is that we are also the largest seller of estate jewelry in Southwest Florida. At Rick's Estate and Jewelry Buyers, we also do custom work, jewelry repairs, and appraisals. So please stop by our showroom, and we would love to help you find that special something for that special someone in your life. Log on to 1070NBCSports.com and get your $40 certificate for just $20. Welcome to Zippole USA, where we tell you what Americans are really thinking. Brought to you by iPlay.com. Here's the host of Zippole USA, Christina Staffel. The most liked Instagram account of 2017 is here, and Beyonce wins. Do you think it should have been Selena Gomez instead? And J-Lo and A-Rod, they carry matching $585 bedazzled Starbucks cups. How do you feel about this? I'll be right back with the zip poll results. Christina's poll results are created using the Zip app. The Zip app is what allows our listeners to anonymously voice their opinions. Download the Zip app in the App Store. Vote, ask questions, and hear the results on air. Or get daily updates at ZipPollUSA.com or on our social media. You are what makes Zip Poll USA great. So remember to download the Zip app and vote today. Now back to Christina. Over 1,000 men and women were polled about Beyonce being the most liked Instagram account in 2017, and 62% of those people think first place should have gone to Selena Gomez. The rest think Queen Beyonce deserves the top seat. And are you rolling your eyes at the matching J-Lo A-Rod bedazzled Starbucks cups? 81% of people polled fall under the haters category. Only 19% say they love how cute they are. Zip Poll USA is brought to you today by iPlay.com. When I need a break from the general stress of work and life, I play my favorite games on iPlay.com. They've got thousands of games with best-selling titles and no sneaky costs. Go to iPlay.com on your PC, download the app, and start playing for free like me. Injuries are terrible at any time, but heading into the fantasy playoffs... That's the worst. Here are some tips to get you through this week's spate of banged up players. Philly tight end Zach Ertz left Sunday's game with a head injury, which is a huge loss for any fantasy team. For replacement options, look to Miami's Julius Thomas, the sixth-ranked fantasy tight end over the last month, who's available in most leagues. Quarterbacks Matthew Stafford and Tyrod Taylor also left games with injuries on Sunday. Check out the Jags' Blake Bortles, who racked up over 300 yards and two scores against Indy last weekend. Bortles is available in 65% of fantasy leagues. Also, Josh McCown has had two consecutive weeks posting over 30 points, so the gangrene QB could be worth a look. That's your Fantasy Rundown. I'm Jimmy Riker. Ooh, I don't know about Blake Bortles this week. He's going up against the Seattle Seahawks defense. Granted, it's home, but uh, I don't know. That's an iffy one right there. I can't trust Blake Bortles. Hey, you know, New Year's Eve, it's just around the corner. Time to make your resolutions, and if stopping smoking is one of them, then you need to attend the next Mark Patrick Hypnosis Seminar in Port Charlotte. In just two hours, you can finally become a lifelong non-smoker, regardless of your past experience or how long you've been smoking. 
This program is designed so you can stop smoking without anxiety, irritability, or gaining any weight. And it's only $49.99 to become a non-smoker through hypnosis. Uh, it's 2 to 4 or 6.30 to 8.30 at the Sleep In Suites on Kings Highway in Port Charlotte. That's going down January 4th. All right, welcome back to the Larry Timko Show on 1070 NBC Sports. Don't forget to get your 2017 Pro Football Pick'em Challenge picks in. The weekly winner gets a $25 gift certificate to Chubby's Tavern in Port Charlotte. The grand prize winner, who accumulates the most victories at the end of Week 17, will get a two-night stay at the luxurious Hotel Zamora and a $250 gift card, so you got a little spending money on St. Pete Beach. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, this week's winner was me. Yeah, I won by one. First time all season I beat you guys. Told you I'm easy to beat, so go make your picks. Oh, okay, let's talk about the first place in the AFC South. That would be the Tennessee Titans, who beat the Texans 24-13. to Derrick Henry did it again. For the second time this year, Henry broke free for a long touchdown run at the very end of the game. Now, while these sorts of plays are kind of fluky, Derrick Henry, Henry does them a lot. I mean, he's a great talent. And if the Titans want to make some noise down the stretch, they might want to give him more of an opportunity to handle the workload. He had just three carries heading into the fourth quarter, while DeMarco Murray, who was handling most of the touches, wasn't very effective. So it's curious to me that the Titans are not feeding Derrick Henry the ball more. This guy's a talent, and I think he could be the number one running back there with DeMarco Murray going to number two. Now, by the end of the game, Henry had 109 yards and a touchdown on just 11 carries. Now, most of it did come on that 75-yard score. Meanwhile, DeMarco Murray only had 66 yards on the same amount of carries, 11. Now, granted, Murray is a better receiver at this stage, better receiver at this stage of his career. Caught two passes for 13 yards. But I think Derrick Henry should be handling most of the running workload. Of course, I've been saying that all year, and Mark, Mike Malarkey doesn't listen to me. So maybe he should put me on the payroll. <laughs> Yeah, right. Titans didn't need Henry's long run to win the game. They were up 17-13. They were just trying to chew up some clock. However, uh, it was disappointing that they scored just 17 points because the Houston defense is decimated. Sure, I know, Ryan Suckup missed a 40-year-old field goal, but the Titans should have been able to generate a better offensive performance. Passing game just isn't very effective. Marcus Mariota completed 15 of 23 passes, yeah, but only for 150 yards. He did manage to score twice. Once through the air and once on the ground, but the Titans constantly stalled once they reached around the 50-yard line. Part of the problem, I'm sorry, Marcus Mariota, but those poor throws, including one pass that was nearly intercepted. But the other issue is that his receivers are constantly letting him down. Rashard Matthews was out. Eric Decker dropped what should have been about a 15-yard gain deep into Houston territory. Uh, The one pass catcher who didn't let Marcus Mariota down was Delaney Walker who hauled in all five of his targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. But he's now listed as questionable for this week's game. So, that passing game for the Tennessee Titans, they got we all know they're ground and pound with the two great running backs and a scrambling quarterback, but got to work on that passing game. And as far as their offense was, their defense was far worse. Yeah, they won the game, but the Titans allowed Tom Savage to throw for 365 yards. This is Tom Savage. He was 31 of 49 passing for 365 yards. What? And he didn't have any turnovers until the very end of the game when he blew it. Now, Grant, I think, I'm sorry, but Tom Savage, he's one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And the fact that Tennessee couldn't put the clamps on him 
speaks volumes about this defense, especially in a revenge game. He nearly led the Texans back to victory, converted a fourth and 19, had three consecutive false starts by his guard, Jeff Allen, that set, that set up what would have been a 22-yard pass to his tight end. But he made his first mistake of the day when he threw the ball up for grabs in the end zone on first down. That pass was picked off, and that's what allowed the Titans to improve to 8-4. and four. Titans had no answer for DeAndre Hopkins, who made some ridiculous catches in that game. Started right away with a one-handed grab on the opening drive, then made an awesome toe-tap reception for 17 yards along the sidelines. Tortured Tennessee's secondary, so I expect that to continue this week as they take on the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be a good game. Uh, another good game is going to be the Jaguars. The seven-win first-place Jaguars. They're going up at home against the Seattle Seahawks this week. Now, uh, we just heard our fantasy football advice, and they said Blake Bortles available in 60% of the leagues right now. But I don't know what you're going to get out of Blake Bortles week to week. He's so inconsistent. He's kind of been a, a – you hate to say it after the season he had two years ago, but he's been kind of a bust this year. Now, perhaps that things will turn around – uh, the Jaguars, they got a tough game against the Seahawks. And the Colts, they had no answer for Blake Bortles at all. But it's the Colts, not the Seahawks. It's the Colts. They surrendered a 3rd and 13 in the opening quarter, even though the Jaguars are horrible on 3rd and long situations this year. Blake had no pressure in his face whatsoever. So, And then what happens? The Jaguars surrendered a 16-yard completion on 3rd and 8. They had got Jacksonville into the red zone. Then they allowed a touchdown on 3rd and goal at the 8-yard line. In total, Jacksonville converted four third downs on that possession to give them a 16-7 lead that they never relinquished. After all, this is the Colts. Colts can't score more than 10 points in a game anyway. Bortles finished with a pretty good stat line, though. 26 of 35 for 309 yards and two touchdowns. And he was as good as those numbers indicate because it's the Indianapolis defense. That's how bad Indianapolis' defense is. So considering that Bortles was terrible the week before against the Cardinals, I wouldn't say he's developed into a solid quarterback just yet. I think uh, the matchup had a lot to do with it. Going to have a tough time this Sunday against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Marquise Lee and uh, Dede Westbrook were Bortles' primary receivers, as expected. They saw 10 and 9 targets, respectively. Lee held in 7 balls for 86 yards and a touchdown. Westbrook logged in 6 receptions for 78 yards. So, And the Jaguars couldn't run the ball either, which just shows you how bad Indianapolis' secondary is. Leonard Fournette was limited to just 57 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. 20 carries, 57 yards. And he even limped off the field at one point in the second half, which really isn't a big surprise because we all know he's not 100%. He's been banged up since basically week two. Colts, meanwhile, I'm just looking at their offense, and ah, I like Jacoby Brissett. I really think he's got some talent. I really think he will evolve into a pretty good quarterback at one point. (laughs) <laughs> but right now, it's just not going to happen with that offensive line. He saw so much pressure. He took two sacks alone on the second drive. And he's been the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he did finish 21-36. Only managed 174 yards, though. One touchdown, two interceptions. That second pick basically happened in garbage time. But the damage was already done. In fact, most of Jacoby Brissett's yardage happened in meaningless action time. But, you know, by halftime, he only had 47 yards passing on 7 out of 12 completions. Terrible. And T.Y. Hilton, oh my goodness. Thank God for garbage time because that's when he scored uh, two catches, 11 yards in the opening half. But he scored on a 40-yard touchdown following intermission. So his final numbers, three catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. 
I think T.Y. Hilton's numbers will be a lot better this week because they're going up against the Buffalo Bills. Frank Gore did run hard, 61 yards on 13 carries despite his fumble issues last week. Marlon Mack was in the mix as well. He only had 46 yards on six attempts, most of which came on a 25-yard run. Why they're not giving Marlon Mack the ball a lot more is beyond me too. Frank Gore is 38 years old. He's not the future in Indianapolis. This is a lost season. Let the young guys play. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Next game up, Ravens destroyed the Lions 44-20. The Ravens won this game in an utter blowout. Crazy. Uh, Wow. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I didn't even know the Ravens had the capability to put up 40 points. I mean, offensively, they couldn't do nothing Monday night. But this team was a lot better in this contest despite the slow start. Joe Flacco threw behind Mike Wallace. And then Jeremy Macklin dropped a pass on third down on the opening drive. However, the Ravens did manage to pick up the slack after they roasted Detroit's incompetent defense. Blanco finished 23 of 36, 269 yards and two touchdowns. Now, this is a guy who struggled for most of the season, but let's forget, let's not forget. Flacco was banged up in training camp. Did not play at all in the preseason. Maybe rushed back a little too soon. Uh, and he's finally showing like he's healthy the last couple of weeks. He hit some pretty good bombs, particularly to Mike Wallace, and he didn't make any mistakes. And Mike Wallace ended up leaving the Ravens in catches with five and yards with 116, including a 66-yard reception in the second quarter that set up a short touchdown pass to Ben Watson. Meanwhile, Macklin wasn't as effective. He only had four catches for 41 yards, and I thought Jeremy Macklin was going to be the go-to guy in this offense this year. Uh, Alex Collins... Didn't get to perform his Irish jig on Monday night, but he was able to showcase his dance moves following his touchdowns in this game. He found the end zone twice, finishing with 75 yards on 15 carries. Danny Woodhead, meanwhile, didn't really do anything. Three carries, which turned into nine yards, and he only had two catches for 14 yards. So it's kind of surprising because we thought once Danny Woodhead returned from his injury that he would just be a significant cog in this offense, and he has not displayed that so far. And moving on to the Lions... Uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, he, you got to remember, he was banged up a little bit too and actually left that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, he mishandled a poor snap from his backup center in the opening quarter to take the team out of field goal position for Matt Prater. The snap was bad, but Stafford, ah, he still should have caught it. That ruined a chance to get some points in that game, which was scoreless at the moment. Uh, following a stall drive into Baltimore territory that culminated in a 43-yard missed field goal by Prater, Stratford was then strip-sacked in Baltimore territory because he failed to sense the blindside pressure. Now, he did put together some solid drives in the second half, but again, he injured his hand, went in for x-rays. Fortunately for the Detroit Lions, they did come back negative. But Jake Rudick finished the game. Bet y'all, a lot of people don't know who the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions were. Well, there it is, Jake Rudick. Uh, Stafford was diagnosed with just a, a hand bruise, so he should be able to play next week because it's a do-or-die contest for the Detroit Lions, uh, th- especially if they have any any hopes of making it to the playoffs. 
All right, we'll take a quick break, our final break of the day, and then uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation in San Francisco. 1-0 is the starting quarterback despite no touchdown passes. We'll talk about that next on 1070 NBC Sports. There's a man open left side, caught, touchdown! Yes! Anticipate, dominate, devastate. That's our strategy at Southwest Florida's new 1070 NBC Sports Radio. It's time for some straight talk. You have their unlimited plan. So why do you keep running out of high-speed data? Never run out again with Straight Talk's new Ultimate Unlimited plan. Get all the 4G LTE data you want, all high-speed, and all for just 55 bucks a month on America's largest, most dependable 4G LTE networks, only from Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Video typically streams at DVD quality. Please refer always to the latest terms and conditions of service at straighttalk.com. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here with another important holiday message from KFC. This year, don't waste your holiday vacation cooking dinner. Instead, waste it watching TV or catching up on sleep. And let me prepare a home-style meal for the family with a KFC $20 fill-up. That's eight pieces of delicious original recipe chicken, two large mashed potatoes and gravy, a large coleslaw, and four biscuits. Just $20. All right, get along now. That TV isn't going to watch itself. KFC, it's finger-licking good. Available for a limited time only. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax extra. iHeartRadio is your Christmas music app. Christmas music stations for any taste. Rock. R&B. Country. Even North Pole Radio. Hosted by Santa himself. Plus, our most popular station, iHeart Christmas Radio. No need to search for the perfect Christmas soundtrack. iHeartRadio is the only app you need for Christmas music. All your favorite music. All your favorite stations. All free. iHeartRadio. Here's what's coming up on the USF Bulls Report. A return trip to Birmingham? What's there to play for? Charlie Strong answered that question. We'll have some of his comments and a weekly honor for a member of the women's basketball team as well. That's next on the Bulls Report. 11 states, 13 institutions, some of the nation's largest markets. There is power in our size. Over 360,000 students, 2.6 million alumni. Their influence is power. And 21 championship caliber sports. We compete with power that make up a Power Six conference known across the country as... The American. This is the USF Bulls Report with Derek Sharp. Some Bulls fans might have scratched their head when they saw that USF was headed back to the Birmingham Bowl for a second straight year, not even against an SEC team, which is generally that Bulls' other team. Well, in this case, Texas Tech takes a spot, a 6-6 Texas Tech team, but one that Charlie Strong knows will create an exciting matchup and give the Bulls plenty to play for. Well, it's big in that it allows us to get to 10 wins. It allows our seniors to go out on a winning note, and then it just prepares us now to step into next season where you can – you go from 11 wins to 10 wins, and now yeah, it's when the new expectations and new team and new season, it, you can carry over from that, and you can build off of what you've done those last two years. No basketball all week long until Saturday, but for just the one game the women's team played last week, Maria Esperson earned all-conference honor roll mention. She scored 25 as the Bulls beat George Washington 83-78. The new rankings have the Bulls at number 16 in the country. And that's your Bulls Report. I'm Derek Sharp. 
Welcome back to the Larry Timko Show on 1070 NBC Sports as we wrap things up from our law offices of Andajar and Levine Studios here in Port Charlotte. Talking a little NFL football and the Jimmy Garoppolo era has officially started in San Francisco. And Garoppolo certainly didn't disappoint. Now, granted, he was battling a defense, missing two starting defensive backs, but he went on the road and he threw the ball well with a strong front seven bearing down on him. Uh, Jimmy made a number of sharp throws, including a bullet on third and 10 on the opening series. Uh, he's able to lead the 49ers down the field on game-winning drive in the final minutes, thanks to a 33-yard completion to Trent Taylor on third and nine that set up the game-winning field goal. Garoppolo finished the game 26 out of 37, 293 yards and an interception. Uh, the interception wasn't his fault either. The ball was completed to Lewis Murphy, and the ball got ripped out of his hands as soon as the catch was made. And Garoppolo almost threw a touchdown, too. But his tight end, George Kittle, he kind of drifted out of bounds after making a leaping catch in the end zone, and it was ruled incomplete. So Garoppolo's primary receivers were Taylor, who caught six catches for 92 yards, and Marquez Goodwin, who caught eight passes for 99 yards. Both receivers converted all of their targets. Taylor is the slot receiver, so perhaps that might be Jimmy Garoppolo's version of Julian Edelman. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde... I'm surprised. He couldn't find much running room against the Bears. Uh, Maybe because they had Danny Trevathan back from injury. He is an incredible run stopper. Hyde carried the ball 17 times, but he only gained 54 yards on it. Uh, Nearly scored a touchdown at the very end of the game, too, but stuffed in the backfield. He also dropped a pass, too. Meanwhile, the Bears, they barely had possession of the ball. I don't even think I saw their offense on the field for more than 20 minutes. Part of the reason for that was a really awesome, dazzling Tarek Cohen punt return. He scored after running backward, but the Bears' defense just could not get off the field, allowing the 49ers to convert 10 of 18 third downs. As a result, yeah, Chicago had the ball for only 21 minutes in that game. Mitchell Trubisky threw only 15 passes as a result. Did complete 12 of them, but only for 102 yards and a touchdown, though. Defense really prevented him from really doing anything. And in addition to scoring on the punt return, Cohen led the Bears in receiving, too, with four catches for 39 yards. Didn't do anything on the ground. Two carries, five yards. And Jordan Howard, another week where he just he handled the majority of the workload but just couldn't get it going. Two weeks in a row. Uh, last week, he only had seven yards on the ground. This week, only 38 yards on 13 carries. So Jordan Howard looks like he's hit a little bit of the sophomore slump as well. Well, maybe he turns around, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But the Bears are struggling on offense, and they definitely need to get some weapons up there for Mike, or for not Mike Glennon, for Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> or it, it's just a lost cause on why they traded up to get him. It just doesn't make sense. Got to get some weapons. Got to get an offensive line to protect him. Uh, another game, the Browns lost another one. The road to 0-16 gets closer and closer week by week as they lost to the Chargers 19-10. to uh, with the Chiefs losing to the Jets, too, the Chargers were in perfect position to take control of the AFC West over that winless Browns team. Uh, Browns moving into first place tie seemed like a pipe dream a while back when L.A. was 0-4 and Kansas City was 4-0. However, this is a testament to what good coaching can do. And Anthony Lynn has done a nice job with this roster. Uh, Tom Telesco, the general manager... Done a really nice job of putting this team together, too. Now the Chargers are the team to beat right now in the AFC West. I never thought I'd say that. And after a scoreless first quarter, I thought maybe the Browns might pull off an upset here. No, not, not at all. Phillip Rivers buckled down. Uh, used Keenan Allen to move the ball. 
uh, leading some late field goals. Not a lot of touchdowns in this game. Uh, the Browns did have a 7-6 lead at one point, thanks to that tight end, uh, David Noku. Uh, but the Chargers responded with another former Browns player, Travis Benjamin. Caught a pass, took it 39 yards downfield to get to the 50-yard line. A few more completions later, Melvin Gordon, Benjamin again. Next thing you know, Chargers have the lead at halftime, 9-7, to and they never relinquished that lead. Uh, Rivers finished 31 of 43 for 344 yards and a touchdown. Did not have any interceptions. And Keenan Allen did it again. Another week of double digit receptions. Had 10 of them this time for 105 yards. That is now what, three weeks in a row that Keenan Allen has hit double digits in receptions, uh, hit the century mark or more in yardage, and scored a touchdown. Melvin Gordon, Browns have a pretty good run defense, only had 77 yards on 19 carries. As far as Deshaun Kaiser is concerned, 15 out of 32. Again, another game where he hit under 50% of his throws. Had 215 yards through the air with a touchdown and interception. Also ran for 46 yards. Did make some good plays, but again, uh, he made some rookie mistakes. And how about Josh Gordon? Welcome back, Josh Gordon, to the field. Showed he does still have that natural talent. Four catches for 85 yards. And, of course, Joey Bosa played well for Los Angeles with seven tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. And Browns, I just, it's going to be tough for them to win a game. Maybe against Cincinnati in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, Rams won again, scoring 30 points plus again, 32-16. to 16. Uh, Real quick, Larry Fitzgerald is now fourth on the all-time receiving list. He did pass Isaac Bruce, and he'll most likely eclipse Randy Moss next week for third all-time. It's pretty amazing he can still be productive, despite the fact that he's got Blaine Gabbert throwing him the ball. He had Drew Stanton throwing on the ball before that. So the fact that Larry Fitzgerald is still putting up numbers despite the mediocre quarterback situation in Arizona is pretty impressive. Uh, Jared Goff versus Blaine Gabbert last season would have been really awful to imagine. But this season, the Rams are in first place. Jared Goff is playing like a true NFL quarterback. They've got a very diverse offense run by Sean McVay. You know, looked really good. Gurley looked good too. Uh, Arizona did score the first touchdown, but other than that, it was all L.A. Rams. So Rams looking good right now, and uh, it's going to be a tough, tough, tough playoff matchup when they go up against the Eagles and the Saints. Man, I just the playoff picture is just looking awesome in the NFC, and it's getting a little bundled in the AFC now too. Uh, it would have been even worse if the Cincinnati Bengals would have won and put them at six and six, because then they would have been fighting with all those AFC West teams and. Even, dare I say, the Buffalo Bills, but the Buffalo Bills are trending downwards. There's no way they're making the playoffs, and I won't even consider them in the playoff hunt. Well, that concludes another installment of the Larry Timko Show. I'm glad you all tuned in. Don't forget, you can catch a recap of all this show and past shows. Just log on to 1070NBCSports.com. And don't forget to find us on Facebook as well. Just look for me, Larry Timko, or just look for 1070NBC Sports. Till tomorrow, if I don't see in the future, I'll see you in the pasture. Grizzly bears in the lower 48 states. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.